You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 24. Today, we're going to be talking to an up-and-coming country artist out of Michigan. You're going to hear why he is choosing to stay as an independent artist versus signing with a big label. You're going to hear how his songs have gone super viral on multiple occasions and the future of the music industry. Here we go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here for another episode. Today, we are talking to an up-and-coming, independent country singer-songwriter out of Michigan. Ladies and gentlemen, Drew Jacobs. How's it going, buddy? It's going, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. How did you get started in the entertainment industry? Good question. Actually, I've been, ever since I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be a musician. And it was just a dream I was always chasing, and finally, I, you know, everybody telling me, you can't do it, you can't do it. So I decided to go to college, realized I hated college. And I said, you know what, forget this. I dropped out and I ran, I saw that a friend of a friend posted a music video online and I realized the quality was absolutely amazing. So I looked in the description of their video and it said who produced it. And I hit up my producer and we've been working together ever since. I think we're going on six years together now. Wow. Yeah. So that's great. And when you say producer, was this video or music or kind of both or just music? He produces my music. We write songs together and, you know, I go to his house and we actually record in his basement. It's uh, it's pretty cool what you can do these days, honestly. And, and that falls into you being an independent artist, correct? Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't have to go down to Nashville. Everybody thinks we go down to Nashville all the time and I haven't been to Nashville in years. You know, we don't, we don't do anything down there and we do use session players from Nashville and they just record their stuff right on, right, right on their tour bus or something. And they just send it over. They just email it to us. It's beautiful. It's crazy how, what you can do these days. I was going to say, and that's the beauty I think of this whole, I mean, digital media has been around for a while now, but, uh, you know, it affects different industries in different ways. And I think it's really interesting how musicians these days, you know, did it start out you, it's like, oh, I need to find a label. I need to find a label. I need to sign that record deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's originally how I thought, because I thought I had to get a record deal and I thought that was always the dream. <laughs> And then I met my producer and he was telling me all these things about, you know, independent artists are up and coming. They're growing right now. And labels are just a bank. They just take your money. They give you money, but then they take all your money, about 80%. And you will be broke for years. They might make you famous, but what's the point of having fame if you don't have any money and you don't, you don't get to live comfortably? So... I love being an independent artist. I get the freedom to do whatever I want to do. I have the creative freedom as well. And I can change it my genres if I want to. I mean, you're just, you have no chains and that's the beauty of it. You have no boss. And how, I mean, how awesome is it to have full creative control? 
because I so uh, cool because I honestly don't believe people. I think people see that the fame and the quote unquote fortune, and they're basically willing to do what? Because I'm sure when you're with a record label, you know they say jump, you say how high high type situation. Yeah, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. I mean, it is. It's tough being an independent artist. It's tough. Don't get me wrong, and. You know, I run into people all the time where they're always saying to me, oh, when are you going to sign a label deal? When are you going down to Nashville? When are you doing that? And I tell them all the time, I go, never. I'm not going down to Nashville. I'm not. I love Nashville. Don't get me wrong. But I do not want to sign a record deal. It is just they. it would have to be a really great deal for me to sign a record deal because it is not even of interest anymore. But it used to be because I was like all the other, you know, up and or starting musicians who are kind of brainwashed by that thinking even the movies you know they make you think that you need to have a record deal and really you don't you can do it all independently and social media is here we have tiktok now which is blown up and facebook instagram all these places where we can post our music and you can post your music right on itunes apple music spotify all all on your own and what about touring though how does that affect how does being an independent versus being with the label affect your touring? Now, see that is pretty much I have some friends who signed a record deal. They're in a rock band. They're called Ava Under Fire and they are signed to the same label as Papa Roach. I think it's 117 or it used to be called that. But I don't think that the label is paying for any of their touring. They were going on the road and they were booking these shows themselves and that's actually how they were making money. So they were making their money on the road. That's the only way they could. So that's why when you see people who are signed to labels, that's why they're touring all the time is, you know, so they get out there, but at the same time so they can make their money because they're not making a whole lot of money on their music because the label's taking it all. Touring for me isn't really an issue. I don't play a whole lot of shows. I love recording music and writing it and putting it online for people to listen to. I usually do a giant hometown throwdown is what I call it. I do that in my hometown of Port Huron, Michigan, and that usually sells out. And we've done that two years now and both times it was sold out and it's about 1200 people, I believe. So that's usually the only show that I do. I don't do a whole lot of touring just cause it's, it's my Time is worth more spent in writing and recording and putting songs out there. That's interesting because you may be the first musician I've ever talked to, and I've talked to a lot of them who don't like, it almost sounds like you don't want to go on tour. I would lose money if I went on tour, actually. And I mean, money's not everything. You know, you you want to go out on tour so your fans can see you play. And I love performing. I mean, that's how I fell in love with music. And I wanted to entertain people. I love entertaining and but it's just time right now isn't worth going on tour just because um you know we would lose a lot of money going on tour actually between gas paying our musicians and hopefully we'd make enough money in merch to break even but for the most part it wouldn't be worth it for us 
No, I no, it makes total sense, and I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, as people who aspire to do kind of what you do as well as being an independent artist, uh, what type of revenue streams uh, have you developed over the course of this time to fund your passion projects? I actually, so that's a great question. I worked three jobs when I was, when I dropped out of college just to pay for studio time. And when I went, when I gave my producer the check, the check actually bounced. Oh no. So yeah, he totally, he said to me, he said, man, I wasn't even going to work with you. I was just going to ghost you and not respond to you ever again. But I figured I'd give you a chance. And I'm really glad he did because, but we weren't making money at first. And I started back in 20, 2017 is when my first album came out and quite a few songs on there went viral. Back in 2017, it was a lot easier to go viral on Facebook and we went crazy viral quite a few times. And so we, I just kind of got fortunate with that and you know, I live very frugal. I live in my buddy's basement. I live in my best friend's basement and you know, he's got my back. I have his and you know, I don't, I, I've been fortunate to not have to pay for a whole bunch of things right now. And my business bought my car. It's just a 2009 Jeep Liberty, nothing fancy. I live very small. And then all the rest of the money goes right back into the business. The business is funding all of the videos. And yeah, I don't, I don't take a whole lot of money for myself, but we did something interesting. Sorry. I, I have like ADD. I'm all over the place. No, no, you're good. You're good. So, Funding the recording, though, eventually my producer and I, we just went in business together. So a label, you know, they take a big chunk of your music. So instead, BJ, my producer, we went in business together. He gets a cut of all the songs and all the business, but he also has to put in money to the business if we go to do something. So in the past, when we would do music videos, you know, he would pay half, I would pay half. And thankfully, we haven't had to do that in years because the business has just been funding itself. It's just, it takes a while. Most businesses don't make money from, for two to five years. And we just started making money and it's been six years. That's awesome. Now, did you ever ask him what made him take a chance on you, even when your check bounced? Yeah, he, I think he just liked my work ethic and he liked the song that I wrote because I was 19 when we started 18 or 19 when we started working together and I posted this song online that I wrote and he saw it and he was like, Oh man, Hey, we should record that song. I really like that song. And I said, okay, cool. You know, how much to record a song? And he said, $250, which I found out years later, I asked him, I said, BJ, were you lowballing me? Because you do not charge. I said, you charge way more than that. And he said, Oh yeah, for sure. I just wanted to get you in the studio. Wow. So he really, yeah, he really wanted to work with me. But at the time, $250 seemed like so much money to me. It was, um, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to come up with $250? <laughs> and it's like his real rate is probably like a couple grand, you know? Oh, for sure. It is. It is. And once I found that out, I said, dude, you told me $250. And he said, yeah, I just wanted you to get in here and see if you were worth uh, working with. And Guess I was. 
do you believe in coincidence or do you feel like everything happens for a reason and the stars kind of just lined up for you guys to uh, work together? I don't usually believe in coincidences. So I, I like to believe that everything happens for a reason and everything works out in the end. But I mean, it was perfect. You know, when we have the same exact vision with everything, you know, we bump, we bump heads all the time. It happens. That's what, that's what happens when you get into business together, but you got to separate business uh, from personal things. And then, no, it was, uh, it was definitely a match, match made in heaven, if you will. So I, I, I love working with him. He's the best. And when you guys uh, butt heads, is it more of like over creative differences? Is it more of like a hook to a song or what is it usually about? And how do you guys uh, work it out? Oh yeah. It can, it's always, it's usually always creative, creative differences or, a lot of times it could be, you know, if we're trying to figure out what we want the storyline to be for a music video, or if I write, I write all the songs and then I bring it to them. And I, you know, when you write a song and you're like in love with the song, but they want to make it better, you know, you're really attached to the song. So kind of butting heads back and forth, like, Hey, I want to change this. But then me as a songwriter, I don't want to change it. Just those kinds of things. It's a lot of give and take. I mean, and then eventually, you know, we, we, somebody realizes that the other one is right. I mean, it's, we're, it's very easy to work out our differences and yeah, I mean, it's not a, we, we don't get in uh, any crazy fights or anything like that. It's just always those creative, like, I think that this should be one way, but then they think it should be another way. It happens all the time. And I'm sure it happens with many other songwriters too. Do you guys either bust each other up a little bit, be like, Told you. <laughs> oh yeah, all the time, all the time. Yeah. If it, <laughs> do you give if, an example? Ah, uh, let me see. I think it was. Uh, okay, so it was with missing and wishing. You know, we had, which is my biggest song, mm-hmm. and I thought that that song was going to be huge. I was like, this song's great, and they were like, oh yeah, it's okay. I mean, you know, I th- I think this one will do better, and. Missing and wishing drops and it goes and it just goes viral like crazy. And we weren't even going to put that one as a single, but because it went viral, we had to, we had to do a music video for it because it got millions of views just on the lyric video alone. So that, that was a big told you moment there too. I was like, I freaking knew it. I knew that was going to do well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, remember that time when you guys yeah. said <sighs> all the time, man, we always have told you moments. That's awesome. And when, what happens, like, what is going through your head when you're seeing something go viral? Like you just keep hitting that refresh button and things just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What's, what's kind of going through your head? I haven't had anything go viral in a hot minute, but I remember I had my girlfriend at my house. We were having a movie night and I posted a video and I get a text from BJ and he goes, Hey, Hey, go on Facebook. It's going, video is going viral. It's going crazy. And I look online and it's over a million views and we just posted it. And I told her, I said, okay, babe, you gotta, you gotta go. (laughs) I was like, I gotta sit at the computer tonight, just responding to comments. And I would respond to all the comments and I would respond to all the shares. And I would invite every single person to like my page because you can do that with people who like your videos up until you hit a hundred thousand followers on Facebook. So that's a good tip for musicians who don't know that. If somebody likes your video, 
but doesn't like your page, you can go and look at all the people that like the video and just go through and click invite. Unless Facebook changed that. No, they didn't. I actually, that's one of my secrets. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so did any, like, okay, you got the numbers. Now, did you, did anything else come of that besides the numbers? Did you have, you know, producers or labels reaching out to you? Or was it just like one of those moments where you just took it in, enjoyed it? And it's like, okay, this is the direction I'm supposed to be going in. Yeah, we've never had. We've never had a label reach out to us, which is shocking to me because there are many other people who are, I think they said it's because we, we've talked to labels. We went down there and talked to labels, but, and had meetings with them. I met with Sony. I met with Big Loud, which Florida Georgia Line is signed to, and none of them ever reached out to us, but they took the meetings. So it was very, it's very interesting because usually when people go viral, they come knocking. So I'm not sure what the deal is with that. But when we went there, it said they said it was because we're not from Nashville. We're from Michigan. And the way we do things is a little unconventional, I guess. You know, we got uh, three, three guys, BJ, John, and myself, writing songs and selling them online. Not sure why they uh, – we've never gotten an offer, though. Nothing. Not that I want one. I don't want to sign one. But it, it's, it's very interesting to me that we haven't received any offers. I'm actually a little surprised as well because I've been following your career for a little bit now. And like I said, you would like I immediately thought you were in Nashville and then I kind of went down the rabbit hole a little bit and realized what you guys were kind of doing. But I don't know, man, that's like one of those universe things too. Like even if you got the meetings and they like that just sounds like an excuse to me. You know, like, oh, well, this is how we do things. Maybe they were worried that you guys already knew not to take the deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, oh, yeah. like it's okay, it's Florida Georgia Lions label, but dude, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, they could have signed the deal with the devil. Like they could be, you know, as famous they as they want, did. but it's like, what, you're right. What if they're broke? Yep. Yeah. I, uh. Those meetings were very interesting because I remember uh, WME, William Morris Endeavor, their booking agency, the biggest one in the world. That was the meeting we really cared about because we were, we wanted to go on tour at that time. Like that was something that we thought was worthwhile and that's what you had to do. Now we know that's not the case. But we took the meeting, went in there. It was awesome. They had my face. They have these projectors that shine down on the floor and my face was all over the place on all the screens and it was really cool. It treat, treated me like royalty when I walked in that place, man. And then we go into this meeting. We're sitting down on a couch. A woman named Abby comes in. We're actually still good friends, and we talk uh, pretty pretty often. And she's she got me a show last year, actually, uh, in Saginaw, Michigan. And she comes in. She sits down, and she goes, okay, what are you doing, and how are you doing it? Because we have – she was like, you have in all of Nashville talking right now, your success – and you keep going viral and we don't understand it because everything that's happening happening to you, we have tried to do for our artists like in a 10-year span. And we did it in just a year. So that was pretty shocking because I wasn't expecting that, especially the first thing to come out of their mouths. But it let me know that whatever I was doing, I was doing something right. And people signed to a label couldn't do it, I guess, which was pretty shocking to me it's kind of a don't meet your heroes kind of situation because they're bound to let you down 
Interesting. Yeah. You think if you sign the deal, you, then everything comes and that's not the case. You still got to work. And they just took all your money. <laughs> I was going to say, because we even just mentioned they take about 80% now. Have you, like, is that, because don't, don't record labels usually give you an advance and that's how they hook you? Like, they, oh, yeah. they throw this big check in front of you, but they don't tell you, you've got to, like, if they were to sign, hey, Drew, hitting your team, here's $150,000, like, you're in charge of this, 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 and this. It's an advance, but I don't think people realize that you are responsible for paying that back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to pay that back for sure. And all that money is, I mean, you're in debt to the record label. That's what happens. They don't just give you the money. You know, you now owe them. You owe them a certain amount of money and then some, and you owe them a certain amount of shows. You owe them a certain amount of albums. It's crazy, man. It's it's signing it's signing a deal with the devil, in my opinion. I hate I do not like labels. Now, with that being said, BJ John and I, uh, we have started our own little independent kind of label. Um, they're running the show over there, but it is not the same situation. We're we're actually bringing in artists and who who might not have been able to do it on their own, giving them recording time. And we just get a cut of the songs and we write songs for them. It's a, it's essentially what I'm doing myself, um, but they will be signing a contract. It's a little indie label. It's actually a really cool thing that we uh, started up here. And how long have you guys been doing that for? <laughs> a few months. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, uh, it's no, Probably about five great. months. Well, and so what would you say your like the main goal is for the indie label? And, you know, and how is it important to treat them as they should be treated versus, hey, we're just going to literally take 80% of everything yeah. you got and own all your masters and all that good stuff? I would say the main goal is to get as big as possible as independent artists, because even though they're signed to this label, they're still an independent artist. And we're all doing it together. The goal is to create this huge family of different genres, different fan bases, and we can just bounce right back off of each other. I don't know if you follow a lot of comedians, but they all, you know, support each other. They go to each other's shows. They open for each other. They go on each other's podcasts. And that's kind of what the goal is going to be, just a, a big old label family that just builds each other up. And we all write songs together, and we're going to be on top of the world one day. That's what I'm saying. Now, are you referring to the Joe Rogan, Brendan Schaub, Tom Segura, um, Burt Kreischer, uh, that his little, his yeah, little Brian Callen, like their little group? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, they I, all support I, each other. Yeah. And man, I, uh, I actually spoke with Jennifer Page, who's a good friend of mine and had her on the podcast. Uh, she did a song, Crush, that went like multi-platinum. Nice. 10 times over, you know, um, and she was kind of talking about what you're talking about is, you know, all banding together and, you know, rising up with each other. But, and maybe you could give me some insight on this for whatever reason. <clears throat> I've tried to explain this with any type of, you know, whether you're an actor or a podcaster or a musician, mm -hmm. I, I have found that 
people trying to collab and like rise together like that, since this is such a cutthroat industry, is a lot harder than people think. Oh, it's so much harder than it sounds. I have people from my own area that are great musicians, and I do this big show in my town, and I have them open for me, and they do a great job. And I'm like, wow, these guys are great. These would be great people to work with. We can we can work with them on the label. And then, turns out, they're when we're all you know at the merch table signing, they're walking over, taking stuff off my table. They're talking bad things behind my back out of like this jealousy. I don't even know. It, it, it's just crazy. And I go, wow, you know, I really wanted to work with you until I realized that you were saying terrible things about me behind my back. <laughs> I mean, there was this one musician who opened for me and he said, you know, he was going around telling a bunch of people that mommy and daddy, you know, paid for everything for me. And uh, dude, that is not the case. My my parents are broke. <laughs> my parents are broke as a joke. And I live in my buddy's basement and I work three jobs just to get my studio time. And but I don't understand why people need to be so cutthroat, like you were saying, or so jealous. And they get angry by it when there's so much pie to go around. So much. You, you can just work together. I mean, I don't listen. Nobody listens to one artist. Like they can listen to both of us. Nobody watches one comedian, you know. I mean, you can listen to they people listen to multiple artists. You can't act like you're the only artist in the world, and that everybody should just be listening to you. It's a team building thing that everybody needs to do, and everybody's going to go a lot further that way. But it's really hard to get that through people's heads. It's so hard because like people treat, you know, their followers like currency and it's like, dude, like, you know, and I've seen people manipulate their numbers and everything like that. Yeah. But it's like, even if it's like, you almost know that they're not, you don't have revenue coming in. It's almost like being with a label because, oh, yeah. okay, you've got all these followers and things, but you're not making any money. Like, and I, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take. And it's just, and you're right. I think it's a form of jealousy. Um, it could be ego, it could be insecurity, but it's, you know, even like my friend Jennifer says, she's like, what, like, why aren't we working together? Like, even if you didn't like, even if somebody hated your guts, but like you guys respected each other from a musician standpoint, it takes two seconds to literally write, Hey, check out Drew's new song, da 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 da. Boom. Oh, yeah. And let's just say that said person, you know, takes off and it's like, Oh, I saw you from said person's page. You're not going to forget that. And mm-hmm. then you're in turn, I mean, you technically don't owe him anything or said person, but. I feel like you would be more inclined to pull that person up right with you as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, kindness goes a long way. Supporting each other goes a long way, and you know, I, gratitude reciprocates. I mean, it. I don't under. Yeah, it's something I'll never understand. I don't think it'll ever really change. But I think that if you just find the right team and people with the same vision. And the same ideas, I think it'll work out and it'll go a lot further. And, you know, I write music for rock bands. We're working with these twins right now, Katie and Krista. They have beautiful voices and I'm writing for them. I'm going to be doing some songs with them. And we are all on the same team (laughs) and we're part of this family and I share their music all the time. 
you know, I, I want my fans to be supporting them just like they support me because why the hell not? It just doesn't make any sense why I would feel like my fans are only my fans. No, I, and I totally agree with you, man. And like you said, it's super smart because you're working with these two artists. They're going to be sharing their music. They're going to be sharing your music and vice versa. Yeah, and they're, they're going to get their own fans. They are, you know, all these, these people that we're working with, they already have their own fans. People are going to find them first and then they're going to go, oh, who's this guy that they're working with? Who's this guy they support? Oh, Drew, he's good. Or Drew, who's Drew? Drew's working with Katie and Krista. Wow, they sound really good. I'll follow them too because Drew's friends with them. Yeah, it's, It goes a long way. I know. And it, what's frustrating to me, and this is the last thing I'll say about because I could talk about this forever, is even with these comedians, what they do, it's the answer is to success is literally like in front of your face. Yeah. You just need to find your core group, you know, of good people that are like-minded, have great work ethic and just share each other's stuff and collab. That's all you got to do. 100%. Like it's literally that easy. But then again, <laughs> trying to find somebody like that is just like you said, you had these people open up for you and then they're talking trash. It's like, Oh, yeah. like what, whatever ego, like ego, you said, ego. And, but you know what? They also did you a favor because you get to find out now, you know, yeah, not down the road when they stab you in the back. Mm -hmm. And I always say, once people show you who they really are, believe them. Amen. Yes, sir. But, um, so you mentioned writing for, you know, these, um, for this other group and other groups as well and other rocks or rock bands. Uh, what is your writing process like? Where do you start? It's always different because sometimes BJ and John, they'll send me over some audio tracks with just guitars and drums and they say, okay, you know, we have this, but we need lyrics written to it. And I'm usually the ballad guy. <laughs> people, they, people always send me their ballads. I don't know why. Just, they always can write like upbeat rock kind of stuff and the heartbreaker, I guess. So <laughs> that's, that's what they do to me. But I mean, it's always different. I was playing GTA the other day. And I was just rolling around in my car, murdering people on this video game. And I was like, man, I could really use a beer right now. And I was like, oh, well, it's, it's noon. Maybe I don't, I don't, and I was like, eh, you know what? I don't need a reason to drink. I was like, oh, that's a song. I was like, that's a song. So I started writing, I started come, like singing out melodies while I'm playing Grand Theft Auto. And I actually ended up writing an entire song while I was playing a video game. And then once I got it, I turned the video game off, put guitar to it, wrote down all the lyrics, and now that's the song that there, there's a song called Reason to Drink that's going to be on the third album that we're working on now. And it all started with me playing GTA. And I never got that beer. I didn't go, I never got that beer. I just got lost in the song. That's, <laughs> and when you said it back to BJ and everybody, were they like, oh man, this is great? Like, where'd you come up with this? Did you yeah. have to explain that to them as like, well? They were like, that's freaking awesome. Love that. And I told him, I said, yeah, I wrote it while I was playing GTA. And they were like, okay, that's what, whatever, man. I mean, you got the song, whatever, whatever you had to do, I guess it worked out. And, but sometimes I'll sit down with my guitar for hours and I'll just strum chords and I'll try and figure out, figure out a song. And you know, a lot of times I don't get jack. Like I'll write something, but it's not good. Like, like eh, you know, I can do better than that. I'm not just gonna, you know, hold on to that. I I put it in my voice memo and I hold, I save it for another, another day because you never know if you're going to come back to that even years down the road. How do you know what's good and what's bad? That's a good question. I don't even know. Maybe if it, <laughs> I, I'll write songs sometimes, dude, and I'll record it and demo it out and 
I'll spend all day on it and I'll think it is the best thing in the world. And then I'll come back to it the next day and I go, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like, what did I just do? This doesn't sound good at all. And But at, in the moment when I was writing it, I thought it was amazing. I was like, this is going to be a hit. This is going to be good. And then, no, it's just not good. I don't know. I, I, I just know when I get a feeling, like, is it catchy? Are the lyrics cheesy? Or are they unique? And I don't know. Are they are they good? It, you know, it's like if you taste food, is it good or is it bad? And I don't know. I might like it one day, and then the next day I don't like it. You know, got rotten, got rotten. I guess. So many voice memos would you say you have probably stored on your phone? Oh, probably thousands, probably thousands of voice memos just from driving in the car too. You know, that's what I do when I'm in the car. I usually don't listen to the radio. Usually just have it off, trying to think of ideas for songs because. I mean, the the albums that we have, the, I just released an album and it's 10 songs and I wrote so many songs. Like when we do these albums, there are probably about like 30 songs that we go through. Like, okay, which ones are we going to put on this album and which ones are we just going to put to the side for now? And we try to pick the best ones, I guess, but you know, you can't, can't have them all. So if you've got 30 tracks for one album, how do you, what's that process? Like, do you three or four people just sit in a room and, you know, just kind of like guess or like, how do you guys know which goes and which stays? Because I understand if there's like maybe 15 to 20 songs, Mm -hmm. that still seems like a lot to me, but 30, I'd be like, uh, yeah. So like the 30 songs, they're not, you know, they're not finished or anything like that. They're just kind of songs that I've written. And they're laid out and we try to, it's like, I have probably seven, six or seven drinking songs ready to go, upbeat ones. And then, you know, heartbreaker ones, slow ones. And, you know, I, I have these written and we go, okay, we need a couple drinking songs for the album. What are we doing? We want an upbeat one and we want a slow one. So I go, okay, I got these and I'll just write drinking songs until we find the right ones that we like the best. And then we go, okay, that's enough drinking songs. What do we need now? Probably probably a breakup song. Missing and Wishing did really well. Let's do a couple more breakup songs. Okay, so I'll write some breakup songs. And, you know, I mean, when I write these, it sounds like, you know, I just, I write them because we need them, but I write them from a, a true place in my heart and, you know, from experience. But it's, you gotta still... <laughs> You got to have some kind of order to things because I I can't have a full album of just drinking songs. So <laughs> then people may think you got a yes, problem. <laughs> right. So we pick we pick the best ones and we have to put them in a certain category. And we just pick pick the best ones that we like and put the others to the side and maybe save them for album 3 or album 4. Interesting. Huh. So it's not like they all just go in the garbage. They're just no, kind of we'll, we'll we'll save we'll save this for later. Yeah, and you know who who knows if you work if you get into a writing session and somebody goes they have a melody in their head and then it, it flips a switch in your mind and you go oh I have this song or these lyrics that'll go well perfect with this melody you know it's great to save everything even if you think it's trash it's great to save it because you never know if you could turn you know that lump of coal into a diamond down the road one day has that happened recently by any chance i'm trying to 
think whether it's for your newest album or maybe even a couple before that where it was like oh we got that one let's dust her off not really no not not with this one uh this one was all you know i wrote i wrote all of it fresh these were all new songs that i wrote except for obviously missing and wishing acoustic and then we did a cover but all the songs no all the songs were actually just written for the album but we have had that before uh we're we're with album three uh, that we're working on right now you know we we have this song called stuck that i wrote a long time ago and we forgot about and i'm pretty sure we're gonna put that on the album so you never know when things uh Things are going to work out. There's going to be another song too called "Drinking About You," and that's that's actually the perfect example of dusting something off because I wrote that years ago, and we were just kind of waiting for the right album to put it on. And album three is the one we're going to do it. And I had to go through and change all the chords and make it. You know, I had to polish it up, make it make it a little better. And now we're going to be recording that and putting it on. So you don't delete anything if any songwriters are listening. Make sure you keep everything. Now, to kind of go back to what you uh, we were talking about, almost your zone of genius for thinking about songs and lyrics and chords, is would you say your zone of genius is more so in your car or is it playing GTA or is there one specific thing you do where it was like your zone of genius is just like on next level? I don't know if I have a certain you know space that I go to really. I can think of a, a song usually. I mean, I could make up a song on the spot, really. But if it's, it needs to be clever, or it needs to, te- it needs to be clever, and it needs to tell a story. And that's usually the hardest part. And a lot of times, I'll just sit in my room, close the door, start picking on the guitar, and whatever happens, happens, man. Or sometimes I'm playing GTA, and I think of a lyric, and or I say something, and I mean, I write the song right away. That's the thing. When you get the idea and you know it's good, definitely don't just write it down and I'll go to it later. It's good to, I can't tell you how many times I have just stopped everything and went and just grabbed my guitar and had to write a song because I needed to get it out. That way I didn't forget it. Because if you have dynamite and you forget it, oh, it's so bad. Because then you you get so pissed at yourself and you're like, man, that could have been, that could have been the song that made me millions. You never know. That's the beauty of the industry is you really never know what song is just, and it all started from an idea, which is crazy. Have you ever seen, and maybe this is your experience, and I've heard this from other content creators or musicians where it was like, you had an idea and it was just kind of a meh idea and it's like, oh, we'll just do it. And then that meh idea turns into, like you say, goes from coal to diamond. Oh, yeah. My first EP, Damn Good Night, there was a song on there called The Wedding Song. It's very repetitive. It's not it's not that good. <laughs> and it's pretty monotone the entire time. And the only reason we recorded that song was because I was in I was standing in my buddy's wedding and I didn't have any I didn't have much money or to get him a gift because I was recording. So I said to BJ, I said, hey, you know, what are you getting Tristan for his wedding? So I don't really know yet. I said, well, I have this song. What if we record him a song and we can put a slideshow together for him and then play it for him at his wedding or something? And that's what we did. I took this song that I wrote for, and well, she's now ex-girlfriend. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, I wrote the song for her about the, her prom we went to, but I turned it into a wedding song. 
So all the lyrics were actually about me seeing her at prom, which is funny because <laughs> it fit perfectly into a wedding song. Yeah, just a little and tweak. We, so we posted the song online. We were like, you know what, whatever. We'll just put it on the EP. Who cares? So we put it online, steal this video, somebody's wedding video from YouTube, which you can get in a lot of trouble for, I've learned, <laughs> if you steal uh, somebody's video. And I did that, and I posted it online with the song in the background, and it went viral. Uh, my biggest viral video to date. It is gone now. You cannot find it. It got taken down. But when I'm when I mean viral, I mean like 30 million views in a night. Viral. It was absolutely what? insane. Yeah, the song passed in the Philippines. The song passed up Ed Sheeran and Bruno Mars on on the iTunes charts in the Philippines. It was crazy. Yeah, if I go to the Philippines, I'm famous, man. I've never been to the Philippines, but I guess they call me Young Elvis over there. That's what I've heard. What? It's so weird. It's so weird. It went insanely viral, and I didn't know what to do. I was in Tennessee with my girlfriend at the time uh, visiting my grandparents, and I said, I was like, babe, the, 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 this, this is going viral right now. And that's what – I went to bed, and I, I made a post thanking my – my fans. I said, wow, guys, we hit 50,000 followers. That's awesome. You know, thank you so much. And I woke up and it was at, it was at 70, I think is what it was. I mean, it went up 20, I went up 20,000 followers in a night. Holy crap. So yeah. what, what did the couple end up contacting you or contacting yeah. YouTube and tagging yeah, them? somebody tagged them. Somebody tagged them and they, uh, <sighs> they commented on it and the, the guy was actually in his own band and he was like, what is this? Shit? He's like, I didn't approve this. Who put this shit? country music behind my wedding video he's like a rocker Dang. he was in a, so he, he was in a so rock band was, i guess he was less than thrilled oh he was so pissed dude i think but it, that's the thing i think it was like his ego and jealousy because if somebody put if i mean dude if i was if somebody put a song behind my wedding video and it went viral oh i'd be stoked I'd be, so st- I'd be like, give me credit, bro. Just give me credit. That's all I want. And and that's where I think because now this whole, uh, you know, IP and, our, you know, intellectual property is like a huge thing. But like, because <laughs> believe it or not, I've actually worked on that side in the wedding business making yeah. films for uh, weddings or yeah, filming. Um, but they already had music and stuff. And it's like you just strip the music. So it's like I see kind of both sides. But then it's like, wait a second. This is going viral. Like you, I would almost want to like talk to you, yeah, and be like, bro, like just like let's both capitalize on this. There's more, like you said, there's more than enough to go around. But did you try maybe like finding somebody else, like a family, you know, wedding video to like stick Uh, it back there? Yeah, we well we we were like, okay, this one didn't work out. So okay, let's try it again. Just rip another video. And it, but unfortunately, it didn't. I'm um, no, did it, no, it, it went viral too. <laughs> <laughs> it went viral too. I mean, we were just racking up the followers, man. It was insane. And so both wedding videos went viral. And then this one got, this one went crazy viral too. And it got flagged and taken down. And then we were like, for a second time? Yeah, both videos were taken down. How? And. Because, well, it turns out the people who, the couple that was in this wedding video that we took, I guess they were famous vloggers on YouTube. <sighs> and I had no idea. And their management reached out. And our entire ads, our Facebook ads were shut down. And we were on, our whole page was in getting threatened for uh, getting taken down. 
So after posting two videos that went super viral and get yeah. taken down, what is the lesson learned uh, uh, from all that? I, I would do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally do it again, but I I almost lost my Facebook account because of it. You know, I almost lost all those followers that I gained, but it was so worth it. We're at half a million followers now. That you is know, crazy, I mean, that's man. if it wasn't for those videos, we never would have gotten there. And then it gave us a solid fan base to start posting more music. I mean, sometimes you just got to risk it to get the biscuit, dude. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what else to tell you on that. I would do it again if I, if I had the opportunity, I still try and make things go viral. I rip, but everybody's ripping videos now. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. And it, and everybody wants to go viral. As long as you give some sort of credit, usually people are fine. I feel like the, these are lyrics to a song as we're speaking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, that is that is insane, man. Wow. Yeah, we've huh. gone viral a few times. And then we did a cover of Lone Star's Amazed, which is one of the biggest wedding songs there is out there. And I think that is at, last I checked, it was at 25 million views on Facebook. So that one, that one went pretty, pretty viral. So I'm sensing a trend with the wedding yeah, songs. <laughs> yeah, that's what, well, see, that's what we thought too. So what do I do? I released the Love Songs EP. No, it flopped. The oh. Love Songs EP was like one of the biggest flops I've ever done. We spent so much time and money into this EP. Oh, no. And it flopped. There, it, I don't think a lot of people knew about it either. It was kind of right when Facebook changed their algorithm and everything just kind of went downhill. They were having all that court stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. So they they took a huge hit from that, and so did everybody else. And I think if I just reposted it, I think it might do well. So I, I'll probably go through and just do that again once uh, we slow down from this new album release. But yeah, it didn't uh, didn't work out. But you know, I I've I've tried to, uh, tried to do a lot of things to I don't know go viral. So I took I actually took there's a famous scene from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Will, where uh, Will's talking about his dad and his dad leaves and he's, you know, why doesn't he want, why don't he want me, man? Yeah. And he hugs Uncle Phil. Huge scene. It's gone viral tons of times. So I put my music behind it to make it more dramatic and it, that went crazy viral and that's at 20 million views. But mm. it's so funny because like, you know, most people are like, wow, this song is good. Like, what song is this? What song is that? And, but there's also tons of people who are like, who put this shit? country music behind this great scene <laughs> and uh it uh there was a something filed against us and just the other day it was actually taken back so they left it up they could have taken the video down but they left it up yeah because it was probably getting double ex- the exposure yeah yeah long- it, exactly they used it as an opportunity rather than just saying yo screw this guy i'm taking his video down that he stole from us well, stole is just a, we'll call it borrowed or sampled. Yeah, I was giving you guys a platform, you know? <laughs> it was a platform. I was helping you out, Will Smith. I was helping you yeah, out. Help me help you, right? Yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, what, so, have you, so is this, would you say that this is, you've kind of got a system now for vi- virality? I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that we're, I think we might've found another system and we're working on it right now. And so far it's doing good. But the thing is, is nothing's really going viral anymore other than all of these riots and things like that. Um, you know, I, I, I just did a music video for a song I did called, if you're reading this, 
beautiful tribute to Fallen Heroes, and it did not. I thought it was going to go viral. I mean, it's hmm. killer. It's doing great. Don't get me wrong, but it, I totally thought it was just going to go insanely viral and millions of views. I said, man, tomorrow the video comes out, and I really have a strong feeling that my life is just going to change after tomorrow. And no, it didn't go as crazy as I thought it would. Nothing. Facebook has changed. It is not 2017 Facebook anymore. That is for sure. Now, are you guys, when you're posting newer videos, are you guys putting some ads behind it? And then, you know, and letting it go or you just, or is it strictly organic? We put ads behind posts only if they're getting organic fire. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like people, people say, you know, oh, you, is your post not doing well? Oh, put, put some money behind it. No, if your post isn't doing well organically, then it's not going to do well with an ad. Your post is it's just not good. So if a post is doing well organically, then we definitely put money behind it. But most of our posts, all organic. Hmm. And to kind of go back to what I was talking about, about, you know, things that you do uh, with your songs that, you know, you don't think that are going to pop and then they pop. Have you, because I've heard the one story, I think it was Whitesnake, I believe, did that, the, is it Cherry Pie, I believe is the song? Like the guy said, put the lead Oh, sing- Cherry Pie's Warrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Thank you. So they, I think it was that one. Don't quote me on this, but it's something in that genre. But the guy basically wrote those lyrics in 30 minutes on a pizza box is Mm. what, is what I have heard. Have you ever tried to maybe just like slant, like give yourself like a, you know, 30 minute to an hour window to put everything together and just see what you come up with and then just throw it out into the world and see what happens? No, I've never done that before. I mean, I've, I'll, I mean, hell, I'll always try anything, you know, and it, it's not going to hurt you just to try, you know, I've sat down before and just, you know, okay, you're going to, this is, this is how much time you have, write a song. But I, I don't, I've, so far I've never gotten anything good out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish I got cherry pie. <laughs> Well, um, can you kind of talk about doing, um, you know, you said you'd lose money if you go on tour, but I notice, you know, you go live and play music on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. Do you mm-hmm. still kind of get the, you know, like a mini rush of, you know, obviously you're not playing live, but, you know, Ted, it is live. Is it the same feeling or is it different? Oh, it's definitely different. It's completely different. It's uh, It's not as cool. It's so cool to be on a stage and playing for people. And that's a rush like no other. That's crazy, especially when people, when it's a full place, thousands of people just yelling and screaming for you. That is amazing. It, you know, but playing Facebook live videos, I love doing it and I love talking to the fans and that's worth it. That's worth it. You know, we sell lots of merch actually during our Facebook live videos because I'll do live signings and things like that. And so it's worth it and it's great. I love doing it, but it's just, it's not the same as a, as a live show. I would much rather do a live show, but it needs to financially make sense for me to go on tour. True that. And what do your fans mean to you? Everything. I know that sounds cliche, but you know, without the fans, I wouldn't even have a job right now. It's, it's very, I make sure to tell them that often too. Every time in my live videos, and I try to make posts all the time, just letting people know how much I appreciate that they listen. I don't even care if they buy it because they can stream it and I'm still making some money. Like it's that and all the money is going back into the music. It's going into these videos that we do. 
and it's helping me eat. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it pays for my, it pays for the gas in my tank. It pays for the food on the table. And without them, I wouldn't be able to do it if they didn't care about my music. So they're absolutely everything to me. Without my fans, I would be nothing. Are they, is your music available on it since TikTok is huge at the time of this recording and putting, mm-hmm. you know, your, your music behind those type of videos? Is it available on TikTok for fans to make content with? It is. My music is available on TikTok. Yeah, I made sure of that for sure because I want people making, I want people making videos with my music. There's actually quite a bit of people who have already made videos with my music, which was crazy. And once I downloaded, once I downloaded TikTok and I went through just for fun, I said, "Oh, I wonder if there's a hashtag Drew Jacobs or something." And there was, there was, and there were tons of people who were making videos with my music in the background that had to have been quite the uh been like holy crap moment because yeah. i believe it's awesome yeah, i believe that's how uh old town is that old town road got yes famous. i i'm trying man i'm trying to do something like that i want to do something like that with my song welcome to the country and i'm i'm, I'm trying i'll get there and well, i'm also going to try and do it with my song called way back hmm and well, the thing is that, I mean, there's so, even with your song, there's so many ways to interpret it, especially to a content creator. And all it takes is one, like, I feel like you're in like the, like you've already gone viral on YouTube. You've proved that, you know, a couple times over, same with Facebook. And I feel like it's only a matter of time before a TikTok hits. And, you yeah. know, right like now, the way the you t- think. Yeah, man. I mean, it's. I feel like it's inevitable because look at TikTok now. Their algorithm. I mean, people are getting thousands, if not millions, of views. Oh like, yeah, it's. I already went viral on TikTok. Actually, I yeah, forgot. Well, the, the, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I. But here's the thing. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this. In 2019, the day after Christmas, my girlfriend passed away. No, I wasn't aware of that. Man. Yeah. So that, man. yeah, we were in New York for months, and uh, she was in the hospital, and she passed away so i posted there's a video i had of her because we would go and she would have surgeries all the time and after she woke up from her surgery i would always be there with a bag of wendy's uh, a frosty and some chicken nuggets so it was a video of her eating a chicken nugget then looking at the camera and just smiling and it has like 1.3 million views on tiktok i think i mean it just went crazy viral i was like what the hell like I'm posting these songs and what goes viral is my girlfriend. So that, I mean, that's awesome. That's amazing. And I was like, wow, what is going on with TikTok? Like just the way they, the I'm like trying to figure out their algorithm because it was, I did nothing. I just posted it. That was it. I just posted it and I had a caption that said, you know, I'm going to miss bringing you chicken nuggets when you wake up or something like that. And it went crazy viral. That's crazy yeah it was so it was so weird i mean who knows maybe maybe that was uh maybe that was her way from the other side i guess of uh doing something but it was uh that was that was pretty cool that was cool was not expecting uh to go viral on tiktok so now i gotta i've I've been trying to you know just post videos on there now because now now we got a few thousand followers on there i think we're getting to six thousand they're growing on tiktok i'm trying yeah. And I'm sure you'll figure it out. But with all this vi- virality and all, you know, your your music that's coming out now, what would you say your end goal is? My end goal is to uh, leave this world better than I found it for sure. That's always been my goal. And 
I, I, my go- I want to help people and, you know, I need money to help people and I need money for myself. So right now my goal is to just take care of myself and get to where I can have the freedom to do as I please. And eventually I'd like to start a nonprofit organization to help, uh, help kids in the hospital uh, with disabilities and things like that. That's, that's my goal. My end goal is to just uh, help people and make the world a little bit better. And if somebody, you know, a musician, whether they're from Nashville or Michigan, uh, came up to you at a show or came up to you, you know, uh, just saw you in the street and was like, hey, I love what you do. I love your music. What is one piece of advice you can give me as a artist? Write good songs and put the work in. For sure. I mean, don't wait. I tell people all the time. I got I got musicians from my town who always ask me, you know, what should I be doing? And I'm like, well, if you really want me to tell you or like, are you going to do it or are you just going to sit on your butt and not do it? You know, post videos, write songs. You got to put in the work. Find a good producer who has good quality and good songs go a long way, man. If your songs aren't good, no one's going to listen. It's the way it is. Also, it's got to be catchy and it's got to be it's got to have a good story. So good, good songs. Everything starts with good songs, I think. That's awesome, man. And uh, real quick, where can people find you online? You can find me online at Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, all with the handle at Drew Jacobs Music. Everything I am is just Drew Jacobs Music. And did you have a new album that just came out on Spotify and iTunes? I do. I have my new album, History, just dropped a couple weeks ago. It is on Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal. And it is everywhere. <laughs> Anywhere that you stream music or buy music, History will be there. Just look up Drew Jacobs and it should be the first thing you see because it's the newest and uh, you will not regret it and I hope you enjoy it. Awesome, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time, man. And uh, best of luck to you and we will look for your next viral moment. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I had a blast on here. It was great talking to you. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in on-camera professionals, and I'll see you there.